Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Thank you, Scott. Welcome aboard, everybody, to Must Read Alaska, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. Before we get started, if you like this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. We want to hear from you, and it helps us get better when you give us feedback. And also, be sure to like us on Facebook and, and also on Parlor, where we are now. And we're at Must Read Alaska on Facebook, Parlor, Twitter, all the, all the others as well. I'm Suzanne Downing. My co-host, John Quick, is on the other mic. Scott is on the soundboard, and you can hear him on Wednesdays, on the Wednesday edition of the Must Read Alaska show, where Scott is hosting it by himself, which we really appreciate. And Scott, you're doing a fantastic job. This Wednesday podcast you're doing is just well worth listening to. I enjoy it greatly. So, John, tell me what's going on in the Kenai Peninsula this week. Hello, Suzanne. John Quick here. I'm out on the Kenai Peninsula in the great unincorporated city of Nikiski. And uh, not too much going on here. We do have some scuttlebutt as it relates to hockey coming up. As we all know, if you have uh, hockey kids, it's just getting reared up for hockey season. And the big news here on the peninsula is the city of Soldotna decided to shut down the Soldotna Sports Complex because of COVID. And so isn't that kind of like shutting down church out there on the Kenai? That is. It's, it's a big deal for us. Uh, uh, hockey is a big deal. Uh, uh, our family, we have a, uh, uh, a rink that we make at, at my wife's parents' house every winter. I mean, my, my wife's dad makes it. I don't want to take any credit for it. And lots of people have these kind of homemade rinks, and there's lakes out here everywhere. But the couple sports complexes that we have on the peninsula are a big deal. All of the major uh, hockey teams play at these sports complexes. And it was not well received when the city of Soldotna decided to shut down the sports complex. I think there's going to be a lot of backlash uh, from the organized uh, hockey mom and dads out there. And I would encourage them to get organized because kids should be out there playing hockey. There's no reason that you can't social distance and do those types of things and still have hockey open. I'm just curious, why did they shut them down again? Is this be, uh, relates to the governor's health mandates or orders or what, whatever? Yeah, I think, I think the city of Kenai initially shut theirs down because the governor did that emergency health alert and they kind of backpedaled and I think they're opening theirs up again. But the city of Soldotna has kind of stuck to it's going to be shut down. And, uh, you know, I think it's a knee jerk reaction. I think that there's, uh, there's things that you can do that will, you know, prevent it, whether you got to wear a mask. Right. I think kids, parents would be more than happy going to the sports complex if they had to wear a mask rather than having it shut down. And the city of this, the uh, city council of the city of Soldotna just kind of missed the mark on this one. So, so let's talk about these uh, emergency orders um, and what happened on the uh, Alaska emergency broadcast network last week when the governor used the broadcast system to send out an emergency alert. How did, how did that get received down there on the Kenai? Uh, it wasn't too well. I think, you know, uh, it, it, it's uh, one of those things where I think people look at it and they think, okay, you're going to use an emergency alert system historically on the peninsula for tsunamis because we get 
these tsunami warnings, I would say a couple times a year from earthquakes out in the Aleutian chains that, you know, are going to trigger a tsunami. And so we're kind of used to these alert systems, the siren sound in places like Homer and Seward and Hope, where literally people are running for the hills and evacuating the cities. And I, I've been the, when I was chief of staff for the Kenai Peninsula Borough, we had times where people in Seward had, literally had to get out of Seward or go up on the hill. And so I think that using the emer emergency alert system to remind people to wash their hands uh, and or wear a mask and or socially distance was probably not a great use of it because what you had is you had kids that have phones, right? 11, 10, 12, 13 year old kids who have phones and they get this emergency alert and they freak out. I mean, they don't know how to deal with this kind of stuff. They think that, you know, there's a zombie plague coming and that if they don't go get in a bubble that they could be susceptible to becoming the next zombie. And so I think it probably had good intentions, but was just not well received. Mm. Well, let's, so let's talk about these uh, emergency orders that the, the governor came up with. So these were uh, orders that came uh, effective, effective November 16th, and he, and he issued them Friday, and basically saying, we're no longer in a mandate scenario. These are now orders, because he's got a new emergency order in place. New, and so it's not the same as the, the one that he's had un, under legislative authority. But this one basically continues a lot of the things he had before. It suspends a lot of regulations. Basically, it peels back regulations so that people can respond appropriately to the need. And most of these are fine. I mean, really uh, regulations that say that you have to go in in person to get your driver's license renewed, things like that are relaxed. Things like telehealth, telehealth's a big deal. Um, telehealth, you can't do telehealth if with a Medicaid patient, for instance, but now you can because the regulations have been rolled back. Occupational licenses, uh, same thing with that. Virtual meetings for boards of directors, you can't do that under law because banking and, and other kinds of laws govern that. But now you can have a, a board or a corporate bank meeting uh, via, via Zoom. Um, also, it allows the, the state to receive FEMA money and use it for shelters and quarantine scenarios when, when it's needed, if needed. And it will probably will be needed considering we do have a lot of cases right now. And it also issued uh, guidelines for interstate travel, intrastate travel, intrastate travel and inter intrastate travel. So basically he told uh, people that if they're coming into Anchorage, they need to get tested before they go back to their villages. Because what's happening is people are coming into town where there's a lot of COVID in the city because of course, urban area. And then they go back to the village and they spread it around back there. So he's trying to to contain that on the villages. Because if you get real, real sick out there, you can, you're gonna be stuck. It's real hard to move people around and um, there are a limited number of beds. So, you know, both, most of these make a lot of sense. And I don't, he, he never said a mask mandate. And so I, I really don't have a hard time with any of this. It's 30 days. That's what he's got to do this with. And I don't know if he could continue by having another executive order, maybe, but it gets a little dicey. So. Yeah, I think I'm, that I'm, some, I think some of it's just in how you communicate it. So I think that you know, I'm the average Joe living in Kenai. If he would have came out and said, hey guys, uh, I'm gonna do an emergency declaration. It's actually gonna roll back regulations. It's gonna help you streamline your healthcare because I know everybody that can't show up to appointments. It's gonna, it's gonna help villages out be able, you know, to kind of quarantine if they need to do that. If he would have led with that, as opposed to emergency 
alert, oh crap, COVID's here and case numbers and this and that. I think it's all about delivery. And I think if it would have been delivered of, this is actually gonna be less regulations. It's gonna help with reimbursements of FEMA. It's gonna do those types of things. Then I think it's well-received. I think if it's a 12 year old kid getting a emergency alert, thinking that the zombie apocalypse is coming, it's gonna be not well-received seven days a week. So let's talk about, uh, I think you're spot on by the way. Uh, let's, let's talk about Senator Laura Reinbold and her little uh, episode with the Alaska Airlines. So she gets on the plane and she's, she takes off her mask and, um, and, and then she starts eating or something, but she doesn't really put her mask on. And, and a passenger nearby tells the flight attendants that uh, this, this lady next to her is not wearing her mask. And so then all the flight attendants come back and they kind of gather around her and she's probably getting a little lippy with them and they're starting to give her a real stink eye. She takes a picture of them, right? And then she posts it on the internet. She posts it on Facebook with, with a long rambling tirade about why they're being a mask Nazis and stuff. And she posts the picture of all three of the flight attendants. They were in their masks, <laughs> but you can see their eyes are looking at her like, oh my gosh, lady, you're this close to getting thrown off this plane. And, you know, I gotta say that uh, I think masks are inappropriate in a lot of places. Like if you're out in the wilderness, not needed unless you just want to wear a face jacket, quite honestly. But when you're on a plane, it's close quarters. And if the airplane pilot and the company says they want you to wear a mask on their plane, guess what? It's their rules. That's mm -hmm. federally mandated. They get to make rules. The captain is the captain of his plane, her plane. And so um, she apparently just doesn't want to follow the rules of Alaska Airlines and pretty upset about it. Um, what are you reading? What are you seeing on, the, um, on Facebook about this? On the World Wide Web? Well, it's funny. It's like, uh, you know, I don't. I don't personally wear a mask because I've talked to my doctor and he said it's basically a bunch of nonsense. And so, but like, for example, I went shopping in Anchorage a couple of weeks ago, went to the malls and I'm basically the only person in all, the whole of Anchorage not wearing a mask anywhere. But if I go to the Gap and the Gap tells me, hey, listen, you know, you, you know, you're not wearing a mask, you need to wear a mask in here. I'm just going to leave because I'm, you know, I'm on somebody else's property and, you know, I've kind of went as far as I can with no mask. And if I'm in their store, and they're saying, don't wear a mask. My personality is I'm just not going to fight that because they've already asked me with their signs to wear a mask. And I've said no. So I think that there's a general, there's kind of two parties on the Facebook that are talking about this. One is, I think that Laura, Senator Laura, uh, Laura is very spunky and sparky and people like that. I think that she, uh, she can be combative in the right ways to uh, force government to potentially think about things differently. And I think that that is an aspect of her that people really like. And then I think you have this whole crowd of, of wear a mask at all costs that has jumped on the bandwagon with her Facebook posts and said, basically, you're a horrible person for not wearing a mask. And I just think it's a simple thing that if I'm going to go fly, it's probably one of the only times I would wear a mask. Because if I'm going to Hawaii, it's worth it just to shut up and wear a mask to get to get to Hawaii or whatever. I don't agree with wearing a mask in that situation. I'm not really going to wear a mask anywhere else, except for the fact that I'm on somebody else's plane. If I don't want to abide by those rules, then it, I should just get off the plane. That's right. You can swim to Hawaii. It's, it's no big deal. Yeah. 
So, you know, I was in the um, in the Fifth Avenue Mall in Anchorage on Saturday, and I went to the Apple Store to pick something up and had to stand in line there. And they've, they've got a really unusual scenario there where it's, you, you just go up to a, a window and, and they have the whole, the whole store is blocked off. You go to the window and you pick up your item that you've ordered. And I was wearing my neck gaiter for a mask, which I typically do so that I could just sort of shake it off when I get out of the building. And um, <laughs> the, there were like two guards in front of the Apple store, two guards. And one of them said, do you mind putting on this other mask? And it was a surgical mask. And I was like, no, you know, I really don't mind whatever, if it makes y'all happy. So I definitely, no, I didn't give them that look, but I, I did put it on and, um, and, and stood there and waited and, until I got my item. And then as I left, I took off the surgical mask and I put my little face gator on and I, and I left. But, it, you know, it's not enough that you wear any mask now. Now we're getting a little bit more specific. We don't want you to wear this kind of mask, you have to wear that kind of mask. So they're getting more and more strident about it. And it's just kind of interesting to watch. But Laura Reinbold, um, when she, I, you know, the, the only thing is that I don't like is when you mix it up with people who are in the workforce and they are kind of on the front lines, people in the grocery stores, they don't make the rules, they're just enforcing the rules. And, and it is up to them to enforce the rules or they can lose their job. So I don't like disrespecting people in the workplace. And I think when you start taking pictures of people and posting them like that, and then calling them out and using your authority as a senator, um, you know, I, I think you really wanna be more careful about using your authority that way. It's just not, not a, it's not advisable. That's my only and point. You, and you could, you know, I always look at it as if I don't agree with, if I didn't agree with Apple's stance, me personally, then I don't have to shop there, right? No. And I don't have to spend money there. If I don't want to go into their store and wear a mask, then you have a choice to buy your stuff online. Um, but I think she does. She raises, uh, she's consistently raising the mask point, which I do appreciate, even though I may not agree with the delivery. I really do appreciate her stance on asking the question continuously, why are we wearing a mask and does it actually work? And People may not like her delivery, but she's been very consistent in that we should not just do things because the government tells us to. And I appreciate that. Yeah, I do too. Actually, perfectly legitimate. Hey, by the way, I forgot to ask you about something. I saw a picture of you the other day with Donald Trump. And it, you're like, there you are. You're sitting in the front row in a fairly small room. Nobody's wearing masks. You're there. Donald Trump is there. Um, looked like Connie. Who was that? With the so, Secretary of Transportation. What were you doing in D.C.? Elaine Cho. I think I'm oh, pronouncing the name right. Elaine Cho. Elaine Cho. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, I got asked to the President Trump invited folks from California, Washington, Alaska. Uh, he called it leaders from the Northwest or something out. He invited us and um, he I went out there not really expecting what, you know, what's going to happen. And it was kind of a week's worth of stuff where he let us talk to people that were in his cabinet or we could set up any meetings we wanted with, with any folks in his, you know, plethora of entourage that he had. And one of the crescendo meeting was a meeting with him and uh, you know, like a, you know, small room and whatever. So I go into this room and I'm not knowing what to expect. I mean, we go through, you know, six different gauntlets and pat downs and, making sure we're not, you know, we're all safe and all that kind of stuff. And, and I look and there's a front row available. So I'm like, sweet, I'm going to sit in the front row. I want to be as close to Donald J. Trump as possible. And so I sit down in the front row and 
probably like five minutes after the meeting started, uh, people come and sit by me. And I'm thinking, I wonder why nobody sat here in the first place. Well, then I noticed there's a reserve sign on the front row that says reserved for cabinet members only. <laughs> and I'm sitting there front row, sitting next to Elaine Chow, who's the, the, uh, the secretary of uh, transportation. And at, to be honest, I didn't know who she was. You know, I'm just being completely honest. I didn't know who- You're just, a, you're just a hick from Nikiski. <laughs> just from Nikiski. And so I'm chatting it up with her and we're, we're telling funny stories. I told her a story about a time I uh, made a beach in Florida evacuate because I thought there was a shark uh, attacking uh, swimmers and it turned out to be a dolphin. And so we're just having a good old time laughing it up. And I, and I realized I'm like, oh crap, I'm like in the cabinet member seat. And so I'm like, okay, I need to move. And so I kind of get up to move and she grabs my arm and she goes, no, 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 you're staying here. You're hilarious. You're one of us now. And uh, so I, I, you know, I got to sit down and chat with all them and Donald Trump, you know, there, there was a room filled with Democrats and Republicans mm -hmm. and he commanded the room. I mean, he was hilarious. He was on point. He, he would have people, whether wherever they live, say, hey, what's an issue in your town? And people would raise their hand and say, hey, I'm having an issue getting water, this guy in California. I'm having an issue getting water. He owns something, you know, crazy amount of, you know, 20,000 acres or something like that. And so he would pull out his secretary, whoever was in charge of getting water, and he would literally solve the problem right there. He would take the guy out of the audience, have him go with his cabinet guy to some other room, and they would go fix the problem right then and there. And uh, it just showed me that, you know, Donald Trump's a guy of action and, uh, doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican, everybody in that room was laughing. Uh, wow. he, was a funny, he was a funny guy. Wow, yeah, that's a, that's a really great story. Well, that's one for the grandkids, I gotta tell you. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Don Young, by the way. Um, you know, a few days ago, Don Young came down with a, a, a little touch of COVID. And of course, he's 87 years old, so that's nothing to sneeze off. And, um, then he kind of went quiet and his, his, his staff went quiet and the media went nuts. They just were just going nuts. We, they wanted to, it's like they wanted to st station a reporter in his room with him to make sure he was still breathing or, or not breathing. And um, we were starting to read over the weekend how reporters were really annoyed because they said everybody had a right to know how he's doing. I'm not really sure what their right is to know at every given moment of how he's doing, but there was an extended period of silence from his office and from his campaign. Well, you know, other members of his office and of his campaign also ended up with COVID because apparently a number of them caught it on, you know, on or around election night. They were, uh, they were with each other constantly the last 48 hours before the election. And election night, they were all together until like three in the morning. And then the next night they had a volunteer um, party and they, they stayed together for several hours. So a number of them got it, but, uh, and finally this morning, Don Young just sent out a, a press release that said that he had been in the hospital over the weekend at Providence and that he's feeling better and he's, he's back at home and he's on his, on, well on the way to recovery. And then he said, unfortunately, a lot of what you may have heard about my condition was based on speculation in the media that did not respect my privacy. This is irresponsible, and I do not want any Alaskans to be scared of seeking, seeking testing 
or treatment out of privacy concerns. So basically you had um, people hounding the hospital and hounding the nurses. And, and I, I believe that there might have been a leak to the media that he was in the hospital because I also heard that he was in the hospital and I heard a, another rumor out there that he was not only in the hospital, but that he was dead. There was actually a rumor floating around out there in Alaska that he was dead. And so, and, and I knew he wasn't dead, but um, as he said, it was kind of irresponsible. And what we really want everybody to do is just to take, just take care of yourself, you know, wash your hands, keep your distance from people. If you feel comfortable wearing a mask, wear a mask. I, I wear a mask when I'm out in the public arena there. Um, and, and also, you know, don't touch your face and do the things that you need to do. Zinc, uh, vitamin C, vitamin D, you know, it just, uh, you know, you, you just want to do the right thing. But like he said, you can't hunker down forever, but we shouldn't be afraid of this thing. And I thought it was very interesting that um, he called out the media for its irresponsibility. What do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, to be honest, I think the media should be ashamed of themselves in this scenario, because even now, uh, like on the Kenai Peninsula, for example, the radio ads around this story, or the radio, the the news around the story is, well, we told you so, Don Young, you said this virus was the beer virus and this and that. And it's almost like they're happy that he got it because he downplayed it a little bit as just, you know, he didn't want it to, I, my, I personally think he didn't want the government, he didn't want the economy to shut down. He didn't want to have huge mandates that force people to wear masks when they, when their doctor said they didn't need to. He didn't want to have things that uh, made it so workers couldn't work. And so, this is like the media is like, well, we told you so. Now he's got the virus. What do you say about this? And and the news story, I'm sure it's like this all around the state. If I'm hearing it on the Kenai Peninsula, in the in the Kenai Peninsula, is well, Don Young said this was this virus wasn't a big deal, and it was the beer virus and this and that. And now he's got it. And it's almost like, I mean, this is where Republicans are awesome because we take the high road nine times out of ten. Like we would never wish the the uh, the virus on Mark Baggage. We would never wish the virus on uh, uh, Berkowitz. We would never wish this on somebody. And it's like the media just loves it that he has the virus finally. And I think it just goes to show that uh, the cold heartedness of the mainstream media and the reason why your numbers keep tanking because people are sick and tired of your negative nonsense. And mm. that's what I think about it. Well, tell us what you really think. <laughs> Seriously. So, um, you know, I think Don Young is going to be fine. Uh, obviously, at his age, it probably takes him a little longer to recover, but um, he's, he's got good medical care and Providence uh, really took good care of him. And uh, we'll, got, we'll keep everybody updated when we hear more. Um, I'm sure that, that by next week, we'll have, I'll have spoken to him and I'll, I'll give you an update about that. So let's talk about a little bit about this, um, this story that came out today about how the chief of staff for Lisa Murkowski is leaving, is leaving uh, her office in DC and returning to Alaska. And that is uh, Mike Pulowski. His nickname is Fish. He's, his nickname is Fish because he likes to fish. And um, he worked in the Parnell administration and he worked uh, on, he was one of the architects of SB 21, the oil and gas tax structure. And he has been um, over there in DC working for Lisa Murkowski for about five years, he started on her energy committee, then became her chief of staff. And now he's coming back and he's forming up a partnership with longtime lobbyist, Jerry Mackey. 
and they are starting their own lobbying group, which is interesting because you would think, well, maybe he just doesn't want to work for Lisa anymore. But what we're hearing is that he's going to be very, very active in her reelection campaign. So he is not parting ways with her on poor terms. He's just, um, you know, parting ways so that he can go back to Alaska, live in Alaska, and you know, t- take clients. And he's going to be a lobbyist. So, um, and this guy's this this guy's very sharp. I mean, this is a, a a very well politically astute guy that's figured out how to. I mean, if there's anybody in the Senate that has to toe the line of having Democrat followers and Republican followers, it's Lisa Murkowski. And uh, he's had to be the manager of that for what, five years or however long he's been the chief of staff. And, uh, you know, this is something to where uh, I wish the Republicans would just get a little more organized because the Democrats are already, or the other side or whoever you want to call it, they're already figuring out a way to organize to get a lobbyist group in Alaska to spearhead the Lisa Murkowski Senate race from you know an independent expenditure standpoint to make sure that she can win. And you know we're sitting here worrying about well I w- I didn't like it when I had to wear a mask. And you know <laughs> the, the other side's already figuring out how to win the Senate seat in two years and how to do this in five years and. And we're, you know, we're just here getting butt hurt over the fact that people might have to wear a mask. Well, uh, you know, so Jerry Mackey, it was a Democrat when he was served in the House, the state House of Representatives, and then he switched and became a Republican and he was in the Senate. He's from Ketchikan. He was raised in Craig, Alaska. He's a Haida native Alaska Indian, and he is... Um, been a longtime lobbyist and he's just known to be super bipartisan. He's almost the perfect person to really interface in, with Lisa Murkowski in many ways. And then Pulaski has got really good conservative chops, but he has had to actually manage her, the senator from Alaska, for three of these Supreme Court confirmations. And that had to have been hard because um, she was always on you know, on the edge. And she was, she was sort of the drama queen of all of all three of those Supreme Court confirmations that uh, Trump had. So we'll see uh, fish back here in Alaska. And I think that what they are looking at is well, now that that ballot measure two has passed, uh, it's going to be a lot easier to get Lisa reelected because in this state, she could not win a Republican primary. She knew it. Republicans knew it. It was a big problem. But now she'll be going into an open primary in 2022, and she will face a ballot full of other people. But most certainly, she will make it through that ballot and get to the general election. And there'll be, you know, two or three people on that on that general election ballot. And she will compete well, because quite honestly, most of the voters in Alaska are actually undeclared, and they don't, you know. They don't mind her. She she knows who her voters are. So I think she's in a pretty good position to be reelected. I'm trying to think of who could win against her in a primary or a general general election. It'll be very, very hard for the Democrats to find somebody to run against her. It, I mean, they, who are they going to put up there? Ethan Berkowitz? I don't think so. I think he's pretty much done. I mean, Will, Bill Wilikowski, Senator Wilikowski going up against Lisa Murkowski. I don't think he can do it. So you think about what they've got to put up against her, and I don't think it's much. So 
quite honestly, uh, the Republicans who might be interested in taking her on will have a much tougher time because she appeals to the middle. And most Alaskans at this point are kind of in the middle. So we'll see what happens with that. But you know, speaking of which, uh, she's uh, Mike Pulaski is not the only chief of staff who's leaving in DC. Pam Day, who's the chief of staff for Don Young is also leaving. She's leaving this month and she's been with him for many, many years, about 15 years or so. She is the most senior chief of staff in the House of Representatives. And I think she's just gonna take some time off. She's just been doing it for so long. And then Alex Ortiz from Alaska is taking over. He was born and raised in Ketchikan and he's taking over as chief of staff for Don Young. And so that, so some changes happening in, in uh, at least two of our, of our three congressional offices, but Let's talk a little bit about um, Must Read Alaska and where people can find us besides uh, here in this podcast, which we appreciate people listening to. John, you are kind of the expert on all of our social media platforms. Talk to people about where we're at these days and what's going on with this new legislative newsletter we're putting out. So as more and as Facebook gets more and more and it censors folks like us, like Must Read Alaska or other conservative news sites out there. We see that that's coming down the pipeline. It's already come down the pipeline. They're going to be, especially if Biden gets elected, there's going to be more and more and more censorship, especially on Facebook and Twitter. And so what we've recognized is, well, we need to have a plan that's going to be able to reach our folks in a way that's going to be the least censored option out there. And so um, we've actually done a partnership with Caucus Room. So if you go to the if you go to the caucus, www.caucusroom.com you can type in must read alaska and find us and that's a great place where conservatives share ideas and it's it's in my opinion going to be a place where you're not going to have to worry about being censored um a couple of the more mainstream places that we're on is parlor and me we and really all you got to do is type in must read alaska and you can find us there and i can say that we're adding folks uh we can't you know it's hard to keep up sometimes because we have to manually add them on MeWe. And so we're literally on there every day, adding 20, 30, 40, 50 people every day manually. And so if we haven't added you yet, just know that we'll get to you. We just have to do it by hand each time. Um, and then we, um, we also are going to be doing something brand new this season. We're going to do a legislation, a legislative newsletter, uh, if you will. Every day we're going to be coming to you with what is happening in the legislature uh, this season, I think it's the what the you would know what number uh, what round this is. Is it thirty? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull that. Yeah, thirty seconds. Seconds. something like that. Yeah, thirty seconds. So the thirty second round here, and we're gonna every day we're gonna be honed in specifically on what bills they talked about, what bills passed, what bills have a potential of passing, uh, what are some of the inside scoops that are happening, what's some of the drama that's happening, and you're only gonna find this here. And as you know, we have a conservative, we have a conservative viewpoint, a truthful viewpoint. And so you're, that's the lens that you're going to be getting this news from. Nowhere else in Alaska are you going to be able to get this on a daily basis. So if you're interested in getting this, you uh, just go to clubmrak.com and uh, you can sign up for the newsletter there. We already have hundreds of people signed up so far and uh, it's pretty exciting, uh, you know, we have some of the who's who on that newsletter uh, that have signed up already. And I think there's some good buzz about it. And, you know, we're going to be putting a lot of work towards this. So we, we want to encourage you to take part in it. Oh, it's going to be great. It's, it's uh, exciting. Of course, we already, we already have 
the Monday, Wednesday, and Friday edition of the Must Read Alaska newsletter. So this is something that's different. This is Club MRAC, Club M-R-A-K. And what it is, is a newsletter just on legislative issues. What happened the day before, what ha- what's coming up this day. So it'll be a bulletin. It'll be like your morning coffee. You just grab your cup of coffee and you can look through this. It'll be like bullet points. So it'll be really easy to get caught up on what's going on, what to watch, to, what to watch in the legislature. And we're putting it together for people who are really keen on watching how the budget goes, rolls out, what's going on with oil and gas, what's going on with COVID legislation, hot topics. So super excited about it. And um, I'm really uh, encouraging everybody to subscribe to it. It is free. All of our stuff is free and we just, uh, we'll, we'll find a way to pay for it. Uh, our, our supporters are extremely generous and we really appreciate all of you. But saying that, we, we know that we're kind of up against the, t- the clock here. And I just want to um, tell you, I love working with you, John and Scott. You, you're doing a great job as well. I've got a great team here at Must Read Alaska. And if you're a supporter out there of Must Read Alaska, thank you so much. This makes it all possible. And if you'd like to support the conservative side of the news, please be 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 one of the donors. It's uh, right there on the right-hand side of mustreadalaska.com. You can just hit the button. It takes you to PayPal. So it supports us. It helps us keep um, standing strong against the big blue tide of liberal media. And we are fighting that every day. Till next week, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska. See you next week right here on the Must Read Alaska Show. Take it away, Scott.